Conspiracy theories are most often a smokescreen to divert us from the true evil. My dad was right. This family's money is dirty. Imagination is far more fascinating than reality. Welcome to Working for Uncle Henry, the podcast. I'm the author and your host, Angela Mullins. Chapter 15. After the flight to D.C., a train to Newport Sound and an Uber to Rolling Rivers, Parker arrived back at the estate late in the afternoon the next day. He would have slept most of the way home if it hadn't been for the worry and anxiety of his first delivery for Henry turning into such a disaster. Exhausted, he dreaded explaining to his uncle how he had lost a valuable work of art and seen the client murdered. He expected Henry would never allow him to make deliveries again. He would be stuck at the mercantile cataloging items, provided Henry even let him continue in that role. Then he realized he might have to continue working to pay off the loss of the painting. How long would that take? Between that and his college loans, years. The rest of his life. Gerard met him at the door. Your uncle is waiting for you in his study. Shall I take your bag? Henry had wasted no time, and who could blame him? Parker solemnly handed over his duffel and made his way around the hallway to the study. Parker, come in, Henry greeted from his desk while tamping tobacco into a black ebony billiard pipe. Parker launched right into his apology. Uncle Henry, I'm very sorry about everything. Bah, Italian police. He waved his hand dismissively. But I lost the Picasso, and it wasn't my painting anymore. I sold it. It was stolen from the dead man, who obviously doesn't need it anymore. Besides, it wasn't a real Picasso. Parker's eyes widened. What? No, no. Jennifer delivered the real one in Paris the day before. But, Parker scratched his head. You mean what I had was a fake? I I don't understand. Why? A decoy. I needed to see what would happen. Parker shook his head. A man got killed. That's what happened. The second person to be murdered since I came here. What on earth is going on? Henry got up, walked to Parker, and patted him on the back. Don't worry yourself about it. You did exactly as I needed you to. He moved back behind his desk, packed another pinch of tobacco into his pipe, and tamped it down. You know... General Patton was a master of war, using chaos to his advantage, but even he was a decoy one time when he was sent to Calais instead of Normandy. He held the lighter to his pipe, lit it and puffed several times, while Parker sat in total confusion. I do, however, think that you should take some self-defense classes. There's a top-notch instructor in town, former military comrade, He teaches techniques at the Performing Arts Center. I'll arrange it, just in case. Parker's mind was spinning, trying to connect the dots. You mean there are going to be more times like this? Perhaps. One never knows. Best to be prepared. Parker sighed and shifted his thoughts to the first murder. Uh, Do they know who killed Qatar yet? They don't, but... I do, Henry answered, leaning back in his well-worn leather chair. You do? You figured it out? 
Henry glared up at him while lighting his pipe again. That surprises you? I think most everything here surprises me. Parker rubbed his forehead thoughtfully. So the police don't know? Why would you not tell them? Because of who it was. Alarm bells went off in Parker's mind, remembering what he had seen that night. Jennifer? He rubbed his forehead more and paced in front of Henry's desk. Henry puffed his pipe. His narrowed eyes glared at his nephew. Of course not. What would cause you to think that? Parker swallowed hard. Well, because the last time I saw Qatar, he was with her, going to her bedroom. Qatar died of a gunshot to the head, not a heart attack. So who did kill him? Or are you going to keep me in the dark about that, too? Henry considered the situation of how long he could keep avoiding details before Parker deserted him. He needed Parker, so he reconciled to share. Simon Zachary killed Qatar. Who? He attended the New Year's Eve party. He also arranged for Qatar to be here as well. Having figured out why he wanted Qatar to approach me, unless... Henry tapped the tip of his pipe against his mouth. He thought I might fund a project he was secretly behind. Parker shook his head. Who is Simon Zachary? Moved into town last year. Lives on the top floor of the tallest building downtown. Owns the Chesapeake Club. A nightclub, casino, who knows what else. Henry announced the list like a robot expelling information. Why would he kill Qatar? Because he had been compromised by Jennifer. Parker tilted his head quizzically. I'm not sure I really want to know the answer, but compromised how? Jennifer drugged him and obtained intel from his cell phone for me. Enough to tell me he had sold his research for future funding, he thought, to Zachary. Parker's eyes moved side to side as if powering his thoughts. Did the murder in Milan have anything to do with them? Henry began shuffling through papers on his desk. Um, not sure yet. I don't get it. Why are you protecting Zachary? I'm not. But he's up to something bigger, and I want to know what. Now, I have some more research to do, and you must be tired. There was that now familiar tone of dismissal in Henry's voice, but Parker was exhausted, so he turned to leave, but then stopped. Uncle Henry, who was the man that got me out of the police station? Hmm? What man? Henry asked, his face buried in a notebook filled with seemingly random numbers. Parker sighed and resigned himself to being satisfied he had finally gotten a few answers out of his uncle and wasn't stuck in an Italian jail. Parker tried to sleep, but his mind refused to shut down. Maybe reading would help. He grabbed the Flatlander book Henry had given him. Up to this point, his impression of the book was an unpleasant reminder of geometry class. He hated geometry. After another hour of reading, he concluded the book exemplified racism and chauvinism to geometric proportions. He tossed it to the other side of the bed and wandered down to the kitchen where Gerard was tidying up for the evening. Ah, Mr. Parker, your aunt and uncle have gone out for the evening. Museum fundraiser. What would you like for dinner? Food, yes, 
That would make him feel better. A smile stretched across Parker's face as he consulted his taste buds. I would like fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy. Is that doable? He hadn't had that southern delicacy since moving to the estate, but refrained from saying so in case it would appear to be complaining about Gerard's meal selections, for which he had no complaints. Gerard chuckled. Indeed. I do apologize for not preparing any before now. Your aunt and uncle seldom eat fried foods like that. No worries, Parker replied, as he watched the butler begin removing ingredients from the refrigerator and cabinets, busying about like a man on a mission. May I help? Parker asked. Gerard halted his movements, surprised by the offer. Indeed, he said with a smile. He gave Parker some instructions, and the two men set about to create the best fried chicken ever. Gerard, can I ask you something? Parker said as he passed off various batter ingredients. I suppose so. You've worked for Uncle Henry a long time, right? I have. Two people have died since I came to live here, both under strange circumstances. Is that normal for Henry's work? Sometimes things seem strange because we don't have all the facts. I'm sure there's a perfectly good reason both those gentlemen are dead. Nothing to do with you. The butler's answer was as evasive as Henry's, but his calm, kind voice had a reassuring air. Maybe nothing to do with me, but Uncle Henry... Gerard dropped the last piece of battered chicken into the pan of hot oil and turned to Parker to speak matter-of-factly. Your uncle is a unique man. Do you know how rare it is for a man of the colonel's IQ to have so much common sense? Most geniuses don't have sense to come in out of the rain. The colonel is the most commonsensical person I've ever known. A truly wise man. Common sense was not something Parker would have attributed to his uncle. You're very loyal, Gerard. I wouldn't expect anything less, but... I don't say those things because I'm loyal, Parker. I'm loyal because those things are true. I trust your uncle implicitly, and you must do the same. I don't know if I can. I've heard so many things about my grandfather and the rest of the family. Your grandfather was a cad, indeed. But I believe he must have recognized how special the colonel was at an early age, and that was why he pursued or pushed him in the direction he did. What direction was that? The Air Force? The Air Force was part of it. But even you didn't like my grandfather. I wouldn't say that now. Most people liked him at first. He was a smart, shrewd man. Obviously made a lot of money. Gerard gestured his arm over their surroundings. But how did he make all the money? My dad says he was a crook. Part of my job is knowing when I see things and when I don't. And when I hear things and when I don't. Besides, I was just a child myself then. Mr. Archer traveled a lot, spent most of World War II in Europe, and continued to go back there frequently after the war. So he wasn't here as a father or husband much, but he never had a problem with his son being best friends with his valet's son. Parker smiled, knowing Gerard was referring to himself. 
Gerard's family had grown up on the estate, both his parents employed by the archers. I do believe Mr. Archer changed some in his later years, he looked squarely at Parker, because of Henry. It was rare for Gerard to call his employer by his first name. When he did, it was on the intimate terms of a lifelong friendship. Parker shook his head. I just feel like something's not right here. Just because you don't understand something doesn't make it wrong. It's good that you're here, Gerard added, patting Parker on the back. He plated up the KFC-style meal complete with freshly baked biscuits and left Parker to enjoy. Henry polished his blue Savinelli-bent apple pipe while he waited, a wait for which he had about grown tired by the time his encrypted cell finally vibrated on his desk. It's about time, Carlyle. Was the message delivered? Yes, sir, came the response on the other end. Our hooded jogger took the train into Istanbul. Our contact there will know exactly who to watch for now, thanks to the embedded code with the target's DNA and other identifying data. He paused before continuing hesitantly. Mrs. Archer did prep the drawing exactly like the instructions indicated. Well, why wouldn't she? Henry snapped. Uh, no reason, sir. It's just that it's her first time doing this type thing. Yeah, so far as you know. Right, sir. After Henry's long silence, Carlyle continued. I'll let you know as soon as I get word of Zachary's arrival in Turkey. Good, Henry said, and disconnected the call. Be sure to check out all the related links in the show notes. Like, subscribe, follow to conveniently get each episode. And let me know what you think about the podcast in the comments. Thanks for listening. <laughs>